thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad that you're with us today for Jesus the Healer. You won't regret sitting under the Word. It will take your life and set it on course. So welcome. We're glad to have you with us. I've got a great studio audience here, and we're all hungry, right? Not just hungry for a snack, hungry for the Word, right? <laughs> I know you're hungry. That's why you're watching. You're hungry. Uh, so we open our, our spiritual ears and our eyes to see because the Word shows us what we need in our life. And we are good students of the Word. Amen. We're not just hearers only, but we're doers of the Word. Amen. We've been taking a statement that Brother Copeland has made so beautifully that it, it, has, it carries so much instruction for us in it. And he says this, the will of God is your wealthy place. He's not just talking about finances in that statement, that it includes it. But every single arena of our life is enriched primarily by being in the will of God. Amen. If we're not living out God's plan for our life, we move into struggles that could have been avoided. Struggles that God never intended that we face. We're going to face opposition simply because we have an enemy, but let's not face opposition and struggle simply because we weren't obeying. That's what I call self-inflicted problems. Amen. And I don't want to inflict anything on myself when I can just obey and bypass all that, right? And so Brother Copeland says, the will of God is your wealthy place. That's where your healing is. That's where your joy is. That's where a blessed family is, a peaceful family. Living out the will of God, not trying to formulate our own plan in life that we call success because God's plan is already successful. Amen. So all we need to do is just attach our, our obedience to his plan and we will end up with the success he planned for us. Amen. Amen. So know, know this, that health abounds in the will of God. Prosperity abounds in the will of God. You, we won't have to struggle. You won't have to go out and work two and three extra jobs over time. Amen. And when people fall behind, if we fall behind financially, don't just automatically add more work hours. Go back and say, what of the word do I need to be adding in? Amen. Because if I seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the things I'm going to need are going to be added. I won't have to be out chasing them. They will just come to me. Why? Because I'm putting the word first. I'm putting what God values first. I'm putting him and his kingdom first, him and his way of operating first. When I do that, it eliminates all the need to struggle with the individual arenas of my life. Have you ever seen, what is that? I don't know what that game is. It's some kind of uh, carnival game. 
and they'll have a weasel or something pop up. Anybody know what that is? Whack-a-mole. That's it. And they give you a mallet, and there's maybe six or eight holes, and this stuffed animal comes, and you've got to hit it when he comes up, but he goes down, and while you're hitting that when he comes up over here, that's exactly if we try to form our own plan for our life. All different arenas having pro this problem came up, then this problem came up, and you're running around trying to put out all the fires and all the different arenas, when if we would just focus on the will of God. We don't have arenas erupting with wrong things. Amen. That is the cure. We're not playing whack-a-mole with our life. Right? We're not just trying to get the financial arena in place. And then we get a handle on that. Then the physical arena goes out. And then the marriage and all these kinds of things. And we're trying to address all the different arenas when we'll just focus on the will of God and the plan of God and obeying that, walking by faith, living by faith to carry out that plan. Then the will of God deals with all these arenas. The blessing of God deals with all these arenas. Amen. So we're learning, aren't we? We're learning. Listen, we've lived that whack-a-mole life before. We don't, we're not doing that stuff. That's, that's best at a carnival, but not in our life. <laughs> then in coupling with that statement that Brother Copeland made, the will of God is your wealthy place. We're looking at something that we can find in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Paul is telling us some very important steps that he held to so that he could finish what he was born for. So let's read it again. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. This is the King James translation. Paul writes and he says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. When we say this word bound, it's not bondage. It's commitment. I'm committed. I'm consecrated. I inwardly agree in my spirit with the will of God, the plan of God. When he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, what's Jerusalem? To him, it was a city. But what is it to us? It's where God told us to be. It's where God, what God told us to do. God told him to go to Jerusalem. Where, what did God tell you? You have to be bound. You have to agree with that. You have to be committed to that, Amen. consecrated to that. Amen. And that's how you bind yourself to it. Why do you bind yourself so that the storms that, that come along trying to take you off course can't move you? Because you're bound. Yeah. Amen. 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 You have, a, um, you can see an old uh, historical type movie and men on ships and up comes a hurricane and they do everything they can to get the water out of the ship and stuff. But that ship's just tossing and turning and you'll see men just take ropes and strap themselves to something of that ship. Why? So that they won't be dislodged. Yes. Well, that's what Paul said. Uh, what, what opposes me will not dislodge me because I'm bound. I, I bound myself to the will of God. I didn't wait for God to bind me. God made known to me where I'm to be and I bound myself to where he told me to be. I'm going to arrive at Jerusalem. I don't care what opposition I'm going to face when I get there. I'm going. So he says, now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. But I do know this. The Holy Ghost is witnessing in every city. He's telling me this. Bonds and afflictions abide you. They're waiting on you there. How would you like to go ahead knowing that that's what you're going into? No wonder he bound himself to doing where, what God told him to do, being where God told him to be. Verse 24, notice this, but none of these things move me. 
Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. Look at this. He's saying he's being warned that there's, uh, there's hardships ahead when he gets at Jerusalem. And he says, I'm going to finish this with joy. He's not talking about hardship. He's not focused on hardship. He knows that the joy, the strength of God on the inside of him, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If he stays on the joy side, he stays on the strength side. So he said, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. So we took, I don't know, five previous episodes just to talk about the first thing because Paul tells us five things of how to finish with joy yes. in this passage. Yeah. We took the first thing, whatever God tells you to do, wherever he tells you to be, yeah. be bound to it. Yes. I go bound. I bind myself through my agreement and my commitment. Yes. So we we invite you to go back and watch those yes. previous episodes because there's so much said. The second thing here is that he said, he said, I go not knowing. Yes. I go not knowing. Now, before, um, before I address that, I want to also go back and let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 19, the King James translation. I want to, I want to state this. Paul writing to Timothy says this. He says, holding faith and a good conscience, yes. which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Yeah. Now the Amplified Classic says this, holding fast to faith and having a good, clear conscience. What's a good conscience? A clear one. Yes. <laughs> Not something nagging at you, knowing in the back of your mind, so to speak, God's told me to do that and I didn't do that. Yeah. See, your conscience yeah. ain't clear yeah. and you can't, it's hard to be bold in faith when you don't have a clear conscience. Yeah. A good conscience is a clear conscience. Yeah. What is your conscience? It's the voice of your spirit talking yes. to you. Yes. What is God dealing with you about? Yes. What has he told you to do? Yeah. So here Paul says to Timothy, holding fast to faith and a good, clear conscience. Yes. If faith alone could do it, why would, you, why would he mention the conscience? Faith works best when our conscience is clear. Yes. 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 Amen. 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 When we know we're not doing something God's dealt with us about, our faith is not working That's at right. optimum That's level. Holding fast to faith and a good, clear conscience by rejecting and thrusting from them their conscience. Some individuals have made shipwreck of their faith. Mm -hmm. We can't step over our conscience and think that we're going to arrive at the right place. Never, never override what your spirit is telling you to do. Never, never. Because if you do, you end up wrecking your faith. And notice this, the devil's not mentioned. It's faith enough to fulfill what our spirit's telling us to do. Now, when I look at King James again, the King James translation of 1 Timothy 1.19, it says holding faith and a good, or we could say clear conscience. When it says holding faith, how does faith come? By hearing hearing what? The The word. Couldn't we say this? Holding to faith that came through the word. Aren't you holding to the word? 
right? What's a good, clear conscience? It's following the Holy Spirit. Yes. And your conscience is the voice of your own spirit directing you on what you know is right by what the Spirit of God has communicated to your heart. You, you sense, I know I need to do this. I know I need to go that direction. I know I need to handle this or stop this or implement this, right? That's your conscience. That's the voice of your spirit talking to you. Notice this, holding faith, the word, holding a good, clear conscience, the spirit, the word and the spirit moving together. So important. Not just the word, but you have to know what's the spirit saying to you. You have to know it. The Word of God is God's general direction for all of His children. It applies to all of His children the same. There's not some it doesn't apply to and others it applies to. His Word is what belongs to all of His children. But the Word of God doesn't spell out specifics. It only gives the general things of life many times. It said, look at, you know, Philippians 419, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's speaking to the giver. And he's not just speaking to someone who gave once, but these were people who gave more than once to bless Paul, right? But the word says, God will supply all your need. Now see, that's a great word, but a lot of things could fall under that category, right? Um, When it says he'll supply all your need, what about a home? What about a job? What about a car? Anything you need. So the word is, gives general direction, but the spirit of God, even though God says he'll supply your need, maybe you need a house. Which house? Word doesn't tell you. Where, where is that house? <laughs> you can't find a scripture for what street that house is on and what city that's in and what price you're to pay for it. You see, none of that spelled out. So you're not left to your own wits to fill in the blanks. You have the spirit of God to give you the specifics. That's why we can't just be people of the word. We also have to be people of the spirit that we recognize how the spirit is leading. We're skillful at recognizing his voice, following his voice, the word and the spirit moving together. We need them both. And the spirit of God will always lead us in line with the word of God. Always, always, always. So uh, we need to be skillful with the word, but we also need to be skillful in recognizing how the Spirit's leading us. Amen. Amen. Um, we, we have a book on that. Uh, I'm trying to think real quick what the title of that is. It's um, Following the Holy Spirit. Yes. Not real hard to follow. <laughs> following the Holy Spirit. There you go. <laughs> following the Holy yes. Spirit. Why? Because we, I, I'd, I'd encourage you to get hold of it. Yes. Why? Because uh, it is critical that we follow accurately because scriptures don't tell you the exact details and specifics of what God has planned for your life. You just, the word just tells you God has a plan, but the Holy Spirit leads us into that plan. So here Paul's telling Timothy, you have to hold to the word. Holding faith is holding to the word, right? And holding to a good, clear conscience. How is a spirit of God leading you and what is your spirit telling you to do? Critical. Hold them both. Because if we don't want, there's no sense in our faith being wrecked because we didn't take time to hear what the spirit said. And then we just throw faith at a need without knowing what the spirit of God is telling us about that need. 
And a lot of people have, if I could say, misunderstood the teaching of faith because the, you can't apply faith without the leading of the Spirit yes. directing you. That's right. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. You know, for example, if, if I have symptoms to show up in my body, I don't just start grabbing my favorite healing scriptures. I look to the Spirit uh -huh. yeah. and I have Him to direct me Amen. because the Spirit of God will quicken a verse to you. Yes. Yes. And I want that verse that has been breathed on yes. for me. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. The, the word is alive, but the spirit of God, he will quicken a verse to you. And I mean, you just grab that one thing and you meditate on it and you feed. It only takes one verse to raise up a man. I'm not saying don't feed on more verses. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you get one spirit breathed verse on your situation and your faith, you won't have to be by faith struggling to come up with pages and pages and hours and hours of confessions trying to find the winner. Let the Spirit of God direct your faith. Let the Spirit of God direct you in your confessions of faith. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because there's no sense in, in having shipwrecks, so to speak, to where we wreck our faith because we didn't follow the word and the spirit. And so we see this, that Paul is giving Timothy very critical instructions to finishing. You have to, you, you, you finish by the word and the spirit. Amen. Now, Paul, again, there in Acts 20, verse 22, he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing. So the first thing of these five things that we see in this passage, number one is I go bound in the spirit. I'm committed to where God told me to be. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be where he said. Number two is we go not knowing. To move with God, we have to be willing to move into the unknown. If we won't do that, we're going to have to leave the whole thing alone. We're going to have to leave the faith thing alone, the faith life alone. Because faith is dealing with the unknown. There's an element of mystery in the supernatural. Isn't there? There's an element of mystery to it. That's why it's supernatural. It's beyond the natural. It's above the natural. And we're so used to dealing with the natural realm that we primarily are more comfortable in just dealing with what we can naturally handle, naturally see, naturally hear. But we can't live the super life. Living natural, we have a supernatural life, a, 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 a flow that is above. It's super to the natural. It's above the natural. It's beyond the natural. It's a whole nother arena. And so uh, there is an element of mystery to the supernatural. That's why we have to make sure we're following the Holy Ghost because he's the guide into that realm. He is the guide into that realm. When my husband and I would travel overseas, brother, the most important person to us suddenly became the tour guide. Because they know the terrain. They know the land. They know the language we don't know. And if we're going to not get lost and not have unnecessary issues, we're going to have to stick close to our guide. Same thing in following God into this supernatural life that belongs to us. Stay close, follow the guide. And you're going to have to go not knowing. Um, why? Because God knows. Yes. And as long as we stay close to his leading, yes. mm -hmm. live close to God, yes. 
then we come into knowing what we need to know. Amen. When we would travel overseas, there are many times we get up and we'd go, I don't know where we're going to go today, but we'd go down and meet our tour guide. We would go with them not knowing. Now, if we'll do that with the tour guide, how much more with the divine genius of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us, amen, that we would be willing to follow God into the unknown. It's not a risk. Why? Because he knows and we know who we're following. We're following him. And so there is no risk. We can go not knowing and be unworried. We don't have to know the next 20 steps. The next one step is sufficient to make the next step. Amen. That means you're going to have to take your hands off of it mentally. You're going to have to, you're going to have to trust God. Amen. And it's a joy to trust him. I said, it's a joy to trust him and it pleases him. You get one man who will follow God into the unknown and it will, it will bring revival to a nation. We've seen it time and time again through history. One man who moved with God into the unknown and a, and revival came to an entire nation. You see Noah who moved with God into the unknown. He labored in the unknown building a boat for a hundred years and, 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 and rescued humanity. One man, one man. This lets us know that sometimes not every man knows to follow, but we're, we're learning to follow. And we're, we're willing to be that one man in our world. Amen. That God can flow through and work through. Now, the third thing, and let me, let me read this passage. Uh, the third thing, now Paul said, the first thing is what? I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Number two, I go not knowing. Now he says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying bonds and afflictions abide me. The number three thing he's showing us is the Holy Ghost, the witness of the spirit. The Holy Ghost witnesses. Amen. When you go not knowing, how do you know you arrived? Mm-hmm. That's right. How do you know when yeah. you have arrived? If you're going not knowing, how do you know where I should stop? Abraham was following God into the unknown every day without a map. How did he know when he left his city, left his kinsmen, and followed God into a land that he didn't know? a land that God was going to give him as an inheritance. How did he know he arrived? He had to have the witness of the spirit. He had to have God witnessing with his own heart. This is where you're to be. He, he would get up, uh, Abraham would get up and be willing to pack up tents. Do we move today? God said, move ahead. Well, how did he know to move? The witness of the spirit. If we're going to finish our course with joy, we have to make sure we're following the witness of the Spirit. Abraham did it every day. Sometimes God would say, stay here for a while. Stay there for a while. What's he doing? He's following the witness of the city, of of the Spirit. In every city that that Paul went to. Now, let me read this to you again. He said, I go not knowing the things that shall befall me, Save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. What's he mean by that? He means that in, every, in his travels, as he's journeying toward Jerusalem, he's stopping off mm-hmm. at cities along the way yeah. in his travels. He's ministering to the body of Christ yes. in those cities. Yes. Every time he would go to a city, 
somebody would stand up by the Spirit and say, Paul, when you get to Jerusalem, bonds and afflictions abide you. That's what he's saying. And the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, every city he's traveling through on the way to Jerusalem, saying bonds and afflictions abide me. So we know this, Agabus, we have record in the book of Acts that Agabus took his girdle and said, the man who owns this girdle and he bound up his feet is going to be bound. So notice this, people would warn him to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And they would, God would warn him so that he could be armed and ready for this opposition. But the people that would hear these words spoken to Paul by the spirit, bonds and afflictions are waiting for in Jerusalem. So they automatically assume don't go to Jerusalem. They're, they're putting their own interpretation on what the spirit said, because to them, it seems like just avoid Jerusalem. You avoid the bonds and afflictions. But Paul's not walking by his own interpretation. He's walking by the witness of the spirit. And not only that, we have record that there were several times that people witnessed by the spirit to him. So spoke to him by the spirit about the hardship and they tried to talk him out of going to Jerusalem. And he would not be talked out. Why? He was already bound. He was already bound. He was already committed. He had already agreed to the will of God. Because many times God will warn us and show us of hardship ahead. He's not telling us not to go there. Because you can't make progress unless you're willing to face opposition. And if you only go where you're not opposed, you'll never progress. Because the devil's going to make sure he opposes the plan of God. So as you move into the plan of God, you're going to face opposition. Keep going. Don't back up. Don't, don't stop going that direction just because opposition showed up. Be bound to what God said, no matter the circumstances. Be bound. If you're going to be, if you're going to not be wholehearted, you'll step in, step out, step in, step out, step in, step out. So we don't go by circumstances. All these other people in the cities that were saying, oh, God, the Spirit of God saying you're going to face bonds and afflictions. They're going by circumstances and counseling him based on circumstances. Don't go there. But he goes by the witness of the Spirit. I don't care what anybody else says. What's God say? I don't care what anybody prophesied to you. What's God saying to you? Never lay down the witness of the Spirit for what somebody else said to you. The witness of the Spirit trumps every prophecy, every dream, every vision, every word that somebody may say to you, everything you might have figured out. The witness of the Spirit trumps it all. To follow the inward witness is your safest guide. It might not be the most dramatic guide, but it's your safest. Amen. Well, we're going to go further. You don't want to miss it. And, And until next time you see us and we get to be in your home and where you're at, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. God has provided a way for His children to have ongoing visitations from Him. But many Christians don't recognize these visitations. Your life will be changed as you meditate on the revelations in this book, Visitations from God by Nancy Dufresne. Order your copy now at DufresneMinistries.org.
we invite you to join us for our annual camp meeting here at World Harvest Church in Marietta, California, June 12th through the 16th. Speakers include Nancy Dufresne, Jesse Duplantis, Jerry Savelle, and Bill Winston. For more information, please visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. If you need prayer, please call our prayer line. We have trained ministers on staff who are ready to agree with you for your miracle. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.